0: welcome to strange bedfellows podcast where no question is too dark no topic too taboo join us to explore sexuality self-help and politics with our expert guests and friends we believe that sexual rights are human rights and that we can all create a brighter world through education and conversation I am a parent I am a certified holistic sex educator I am Longtime sex worker and adult industry entertainer. My name is Elle Stanger, and I'm a host of Strange Bedfellows podcast.
1: My name's John. You might know me as the audio engineer and editor of last season's podcast. I'm now returning as a co-host for season two. I'm a 22-year-old gay man and activist who will share my perspective in the coming season. Join us while we explore and uncover the things that make us squirm, make us shiver, make us tingle in delight. Because sex and politics can make for some very strange bedfellows.
0: Hi everybody, welcome back to Strange Bedfellows podcast. Today we have on a guest. Uh, Hi John, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Hi, good. Uh, Let's Learn about who we're going to talk to today. Chris Ettrick is a comedian and pole instructor who talks about their body image, sexuality, and family issues in their stand-up. I've seen Chris perform a few times. It's hilarious. Uh, Chris, you're currently described as Portland's drunkest comedian. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You you use they-them pronouns, and you can often be seen with perfect hair and a flowing cape or shawl. Uh, This is how I will always remember you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You're the host of Comic Strip, which is a Friday night show, right? At Mm -hmm. Funhouse Lounge in Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm.
2: Every last Friday of the month.
0: There you go. Okay. And it's comedians, comics who strip while they perform.
2: It's definitely a very unique show Mm -hmm. in that aspect. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always tell people there's nothing more funny than uh, people who are naturally slightly uncomfortable in their own skin and then exposing themselves. And uh, it's, but it's tons of fun. By the end of it, everyone is so stoked that they did it. Our audience is trained in body and sex positive. And I'm gonna put this out there too. I believe in town, we're actually one of the highest paying shows. Mm. Because not only do we support our comedians by giving them part of the door, we also make sure that they are tipped.
0: No, I love that. Thank you for mentioning that. It looks like everybody has a really good time. I see the social media posts um you are also the host of microsoft's rated vr in virtual reality i've talked about that i came on the show i came on your show mm-hmm. do you remember in the first like minute there was some weirdo on the stage trying to like molest me in virtual reality of course I was like, of ah! course <laughs> yeah we uh, it was a good time it's okay <laughs> you do great everyone does great and manage that but you were an excellent host everyone check that out um You're Portland's third funniest, according to the Willamette Week. Mm -hmm. And you've been a finalist in Portland's funniest comic in years past. That's true. And you are available for contact at Chris Ettrick on all of social media. I'll just spell that. Chris in the classical way. Uh, Ettrick, E-T-T-R-I-C-K. So, uh, John, you haven't seen Chris perform, have you? No, I have not.
1: I've seen Chris talk at a slut walk. A little bit where you incorporated some humor, if that counts. But that's not quite like a performance, right? That's more of a
0: yeah, a little
2: bit. Uh, There's always a little hint audience. there.
0: Yeah. How would you describe your performances, Chris?
2: Um, I, I originally started doing stand-up comedy saying I do gay humor for a straight audience. Because hmm. um, I, I try to be really digestible for the most part. You know, it's it's easier as a queer comedian if no matter who's in the audience, they can kind of consume or relate to what I'm doing regardless of the material. But now I just, my, I would describe my stand-up comedy as positive self-deprecation mm-hmm. meets talking to your best gay friend. Mm. Yeah.
0: Okay, so how does performing reflect on your personal self? So
2: when I'm when I'm performing, I I feel more authentic in a way, which is a really strange thing to say because when you when you get on stage, it's like oh, it's supposed to be performance or something else, and I'm like, no, actually, I feel really free.
0: Mm.
2: Like I feel really like in tune with myself and able to share like more freely than I do in my everyday. Mm. And that's that's how it translates to me. It's really like cathartic.
0: Mm. I like that. Um, I'm definitely going to want to talk about, uh, so John, you've been on some antidepressants. Chris, you just started an antidepressant. Mm -hmm. um, And I want to talk about all kinds of entertainer stuff as it relates to body image and dating and sexuality and relaxing and, um, you know, drugs and alcohol. Mm -hmm. But um, I've never been on an antidepressant. I struggle with my own. Um, I've always been afraid and please tell me, I'm afraid that I wouldn't work creatively the same Mm -hmm. if I didn't find like the perfect fit and maybe not even then. So how's your experience been? So it's
2: been great. Like, honestly, so when I was a teenager, I was on antidepressants as well. And my goal then was to not be on them for more than a year. And they totally helped me out back in like my angsty Teenage days, right? Mm-hmm. So recently, I think in the last two months, it was I started um, on antidepressants again, an SSRI. An SSRI is when your brain doesn't absorb the dopamines and like the positive brain chemicals, like it produces it, and then it like is like, nah, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> So, you don't
0: need to survive, you're fine. Yeah,
2: it's like whatever, you know, you don't be happy. And so, since I've been doing those, I've actually been more creative, more expressive. I feel safer on the stage. And again, being myself outside of just drinking and being on stage, which was my original coping mechanism. Okay, right? Portland's drunkest comedian, (laughs) I felt best, like you know, browning in and out of my set. Now you can give me two or three drinks instead of eight, <laughs> and I feel like I provide better humor for people, and I can keep track of myself a little bit better.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm really a better stripper or a better anything when I'm not six drinks deep. About or at this eight. point, even like two or three. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say eight might kill me at this point. But, <laughs> um, okay, so Chris, you're also you. I don't know, tell me if this is wrong. I look at you and I'm like, oh, you're a feminine gender fucking mm-hmm, person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so how has that been in comedy in Portland? Portland is different from the rest of the country, but have you traveled or have you experienced any, any, any just experiences as a more feminine looking comic? Mm-hmm. So
2: my experience is traveling when I do stand up comedy. Uh, I do fall back into old habits of just trying to be as digestible as possible uh, with smaller audiences, uh, maybe more conservative audiences. Uh, For me, it uh, all harkens back to the show that I did uh, in a really small coastal town here in Oregon. And... I was so scared. I was actually quite genuinely afraid. It was in this really small dive bar. I don't even remember the name of the town, honestly. Like I wish I did. It was one of those instances where I was like the drunkest comedian there, right? Mm-hmm. But I knew that I won over the audience because my background. So I grew up on a farm. My whole entire family's military. My mom, my dad, my little brother, all Marines. Um, I. It's pretty much a commune where I'm from. Holy sweet Home, shit. Oregon. And my family, they there's 10 kids on the property six adults they all own 22s like everyone the youngest to the oldest kid and uh I think I can tie people in because I no one expects that feminine or otherwise you know they're just Mm -hmm. like Wait, what? Mm-hmm. You're you're existing, your family supports you. And I think that's that really helps. That really helps when I go travel. I'm like, guess what? I'm surviving. My family still loves me. I don't see why you can't. I understand where you're coming from as maybe a conservative small town person. I can relate to that, but mm-hmm. I just choose to be better looking than you. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with you that. You wipe your ass properly, right? Exactly. Oh, thank yes, thank goodness. <laughs> I don't see with my cousins and I use protection, all the good stuff.
0: Oh my goodness. Um yeah, it's hard not having like such a disdain for rural small town life when I too grew up around it. And it's like I don't wanna hate on poor, dumb white people. <laughs> I wanna hate on rich, like mean white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it is so frustrating to yeah. just be constantly like scrutinized and feel unsafe because of people who literally know less about the world than you do. Mm-hmm. And being knowledgeable in the world doesn't make us better people, but it can sure, like, improve how we treat each other sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe this is something, John, I don't know. John, you kind of have a a kink for straight passing men. Chris, you said you started dating. Chris has started dating, and you said that you've been, what was the word you used? Heteroflexible. Yes,
2: I have... Recently, I had someone mention to me that I was intimate with that they're hetero flexible, so no. they're straight. They're fairly, they're very straight acting. He's like, I'm straight, but he will sleep with men once in a while, uh-huh. I guess, or mm. if they're really attracted to them. I, to me, it more came off as like a. You know, the the buzzword right now, sapiosexual. Mm. He's like, I'm into the brain. And I'm like, okay, I actually think that maybe you're just horny and you feel comfortable with me. And that's totally fine because he's a great dick. But at the same time, I was mentioning that I get really uncomfortable with that idea and that concept because I want a relationship. I want to know what it's like uh, to be in something healthy because it hasn't happened yet.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yeah. And
2: I was really like, I would. I, I met this person through a subject we can bring up mm-hmm. a little bit later, my Hump Film Fest Ooh, a submission. Yeah. And um, I just fell in love with him. Like we have so much in common. Uh, he's a great storyteller. But I. it also is a little hurtful because I know that there's like nothing that can happen. And I as a comedian I can be emotional and I just don't want to get attached and it's hurtful you know
0: um the word that comes to mind for me is curiosity because I remember a lady friend who was trans and she said that being the first trans woman that a lot of other women were had ever dated Mm. she was sick of being a learning curve or she had said that um or not or, but and, in addition to that, she told me that she had set a personal rule for no kissing anyone or no hookups until after the third date or the third date because she felt like so many women were just having the date to have that experience. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really well, sad good. and I hadn't really considered that. Yeah, but then there was something else you brought up too, Chris, and we were talking uh, beforehand. We were having our tea um, and you said, but then again, if they if they feel safe with me. Yeah then it's like nice that people have, it's great they're having a curiosity, right? So you I think w- so. So it's like you want to yeah. be the one to, to help facilitate. Yeah. But.
1: I think there are certainly both sides. So there are probably people who are exploring and who are maybe on the border and just really comfortable and exploratory. I think on the other side of that coin, there's also people who are maybe having trouble labeling themselves as bi or things like that but it's not really for for me to decide in that experience so long as they're kind of you know just being mindful about my feelings if i were in that Mm -hmm. situation um Mm -hmm. and then they can figure themselves out that's not really any of my problem um Mm -hmm. the people i've dealt with at least like when i was um when i dabbled for a hot second in full service um Uh, Mm -hmm. was the dude who you know who was like insisting that he was straight and talking about his wife and all this stuff um Mm -hmm. and and i was kind of just like sure you are pal and i feel like in that instance it was a lot more a lot more about in like denial there was a lot of anxiety and shame surrounding it that was really apparent but i do think that there are plenty of people who can Probably be on the other side of that Where they're so comfortable with themselves That they're willing to try other things And I'm not sure that we should label them as You know um, As not knowing Which is kind of cool um, um,
0: yeah. yeah if, if you would have had a, You probably would have been happy If more hetero flexible Or guys <laughs> would have shown interest In you John I
1: mean to some extent yeah But like what if I'd started to like them I
0: don't know Oh, you mean like attaching and then maybe like a hetero yeah. flex guy saying like, I don't date men, but I'll have yeah. sex with them.
1: Cause I attach pretty rarely, but when I do, it's a bitch. Um, so. <laughs> I'm very, yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Is that called yeah. um, avoidant or anxious atta- attachers? Um, yeah. mm-hmm. So on the one more thing before we take a break, um, you're a pole dance teacher. Mm-hmm, yes, yeah. just and got
2: finished with class earlier today.
0: Um, I believe you because your hair is back it's not flowing for (laughs) once um so I appreciate you being a pole dance instructor because you're so close to so many strippers Mm -hmm. so you're not a not a stripper pole dancer
2: stupidest concept I've I hate it like in the community I'm just like Are you kidding?
0: Do you you find that ever? Do you like experience any? I mean, it's kind of silly at this point. It's really bold at this point for anyone to be stripper hating, (laughs) especially in Portland. Um, But is that a thing that you've run into in poll environments before?
2: Sometimes. Uh, I mean, honestly, physically, it looks like older conservative women who are doing this on a dare or... uh, A dare. Right? Or... um, Wine
0: club dared her too.
2: Our bachelorette parties. Okay. Yeah. And uh, physically, that's what it looks like. Uh, Mentally, it's apprehension of doing specific moves Mm. or even their clothing style as a dancer when they come in, you know, because you need a lot of skin to grip the pole, things like that. I weed those people out immediately by saying, so I do choreo before all of my classes as part of our warm up. And I'm like, slut it up. Pretend like you're making money. Like, I don't, don't open your legs. This isn't church. Like, I don't, that's not what we're here for. And then at the end of my classes, I try to get everyone that I can to come with me to a strip club to support the dancers. (laughs) Like, cause we do eight week series and after that series, I'm like, you know, we've been together for wow. multiple months and we all know each other and we've all seen each other's bits for the most part. Why don't we go support the people who made this accessible to us?
0: Wow. That's so cool. That's mm-hmm. really
1: cool. I Have you had that. some good experiences going with, uh, with, uh, hap- friends and clients to the yet? club after?
2: Oh yeah. Oh gosh. It's so fun. They, everyone's really excited And then it's almost like Homework in a way
1: Yeah <laughs> I bet they make Really good customers too
0: Oh yeah Oh yeah Well because Chris Has raised them right So hmm <laughs> Heck yeah Oh yeah That's really interesting What you say about The clothing choices I could see that Yeah clothing is I mean For those of us Who can afford to Clothing sends a message Of how we want To be perceived mm-hmm. um, Or yeah. how we've been told That we need to be perceived Yeah cool. um, so yeah, that's that's really really interesting. I didn't really think about that. Yeah,
2: it's it's very it's 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 rare. It's, it doesn't happen as often. Mm-hmm. Um That's nice. Yeah, definitely. And that especially in Portland. I mean, maybe other places it happens more often, but I still am violently against that idea. <laughs> like it sounds really bad, but
0: violently it's, against it. No, it doesn't. Yeah, I'm
2: violently against the idea of people being like, "I want to pole dance, but like I am not a stripper and don't you mistake me for." It. It's like, "Well, okay, actually you are just a loser then." Like <laughs> I don't there's no way around it. If you're like, "I like to pole dance, but I don't like strippers or crazy or whatever."
0: I'm I like, don't like yeah, the people okay, who actually I- do this for a living all the time. Yeah. Um, I need to learn how to change some tires, but mechanics are just fuck mechanics <laughs> oh my gosh like, i mean there's 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 definitely let's look at any like industry and point out stereotypes and cliches that can be problematic to the industry but right. that's different um cool well i'm having a great time so check out chris edrick on social media let's take a break hmm. RAX is the first native app designed by and for sex workers with unique features like a social feed, club reviews, income tracking and event calendars, use it to grow your business at the touch of a button. For more information on racks and more events, in-depth courses and free content for adult entertainers, visit www.racks com, R A C K S to riches.com and just for Strange Bedfellows listeners, use discount code S B P at checkout for 10% off any educational
1: products. Attention service and sex industry workers, Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing holistic options that work with your schedule. Our sin yin classes are meant to help you wind down, reset, and improve overall health. Need a little motivation? The first Yin class is free to new members, and we offer discounts on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the app to check out all of our
0: industry-friendly class times. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows podcast. Thank you, John. You can find him on metric.cafe. I am on Instagram still at stripperwriter or stripperwriter.com. And then we have with us Chris Ettrick, comedian, uh, Portland's drunkest comedian. <laughs>
2: <laughs> not right I'm, now.
0: Not right now. You could have been, though. I mean, there's been guests on before that are like, hey, I'm going to have a little <laughs> little dippy do in uh, MIT."
2: I did that last time. I figured I'll...
0: Did you? Okay.
2: I figured I'd try to be more aware this time.
0: Uh, it's five o'clock right now. So what's <laughs> like, what is... It's five o'clock somewhere. Um, yeah. No, I'm always in full support of people drinking less. It helps me out. Yeah. Um, when i do too so let's do a remember when question. we used to,
1: to light up before the the podcast that was a that was a hoot occasionally but i was saying remember when we used to light up before the podcast like there was oh. one or two episodes where we did a high episode
0: yeah, was that a some. bonus clip that was a bonus clip one of them was a, i think two of them were bonus clips yeah okay i was gonna say because i feel like i have to when be more we were, responsible these days <laughs> and we read through yeah like
1: all these questions and they were just hilarious
0: yeah. yeah, I have my vape pen, but it's much more dilute than the shit I used to smoke. Uh, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so, John, can you read this listener's question? Um, I got this question in the form of $50, but I raised the price a little bit. But go ahead and read it so
1: how do i go to a strip club on a poor person's budget i have less than a hundred dollars and want to suggest on how i can optimize it for the benefit of the strippers oh i find that kind of funny this question i have less than a hundred dollars like come on like that's that's more than most people i think walk into a strip club with but that's good maybe they mean like they want to hang out all night at the club with a hundred like less than a hundred because that makes more sense um that a 100 dollars reasonably support dancers going into a club with around 100
0: oh it depends um, on the club well see i i reached out to a ton of strippers and was like what do you think and i heard from one she said 50 bucks wouldn't even get you in cuz our our entrance is 51 dollars oh and oh. a lot a I'm lot of clubs the, the dances club. yeah the dances in a lot of clubs start at 45 50 dollars a song so depends no. where you are around the country um I've well, had people ask me the this. Money's gone. Like, <laughs> well, so yeah. I suggest you look up the venue where you want to go, mm-hmm. find out the entrance fee, see if there's any menu costs. Because if a drink is twenty three dollars, oh, you're not God. gonna be there very long. Yeah. You know, like where I work, they're like seven bucks and there's a dollar on the on the weekends to get in and no door fee otherwise. You know, so you'll you'll be there longer in mine. But yeah, figure out how much the costs are. And then it's like gambling, I guess, set your limit. And then when you know that you're low, you can tell the dancers, thank you for asking, but I'm actually out of money. That is the nicest thing to do. So then you don't waste your time or theirs and exploit them for their free labor.
2: Yeah, I like for me, I, what I would do if I went in with 50 or 100 or any amount of money, first of all, absolutely right about the fee, right? Mm -hmm. To get in, right? The entrance fee, Uh, research is always a good option. Uh, does that include your drinking budget or is that just for the dancers? I think I would make sure that we allot one or the other as well. You know, obviously you want to buy drinks there to support the venue, but if pregame a little bit, just don't be like a stupid sloppy, (laughs) you know,
0: I watched a guy get kicked out of my club on Friday uh, a couple nights ago and I knew he was about to get kicked out because the bouncer was standing behind him just slowly putting his gloves on. (laughs) (laughs)
2: oh my god I love it yes I
0: love that and the guy was tossed yeah and he was like 25 and came in shit wasted but I agree pregame if you can right it just it will make it
2: easier and you're actually supporting like the dancers who are there for their job in terms of you know if it's 50 or 100 also you know dances private dances are more expensive so Mm. to share the love is just go to the rack and be respectful of the rack rules, you know, no touching, no, yeah, the stage, no touching, make sure that you have money in front of you the entire time, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're still supporting them and you're still, you might get a little dance if you're nice and you throw like a five or a 10 down when you're doing
0: it. If you can afford it for the dance, ask how much the dance is before you go in there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then tell the dancer, because there are dancers that, purposely will there are strippers that purposely will not let the customer know when they've gone into the next song so they can rack up more songs and like oh. I've done it yeah you know but I only do that with people that I really really think can afford it um, but I just get a deposit first but I've had one guy tell me he's like oh I was in there for I didn't know how long and then it was nine songs and she told me and I didn't have any money to give her. And I'm like, well, that's really terrible of you, like thinking you could sit in there for yeah. 40 minutes for free. Oh God. Um, <laughs> whatever nine songs is, 9, 18, 20, okay, so about 30 minutes. And then also that really sucks for her, but it's quite a gamble to spend that much time with a customer and hope they pay you. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that anymore. Um, so just everyone like communicate. I mean, yeah,
2: that's the whole that's the whole process. If you have, if your budget is $100, you're interacting with a dancer to say hey this is how much i have what will that get me mm-hmm. you know what what's acceptable here
0: mm-hmm. uh okay Ooh, next one performer question Ooh. john can you read this one too sure. number two how do you deal with performance anxiety
1: before or during sex or dates do you have any grounding techniques or tips especially as someone who is trying to drink less mm. well, that's a that's a good one and very relatable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very relatable. Um, I feel like we were doing a show sometime in the last year, Chris, and we were talking about how we have to drink less lately. I, oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, you performed at our uh, Slut walk, uh presents Voices and Action Benefit. Yeah, thank you. Um, and we were talking about that in the dressing room. I was saying how I literally can't have alcohol anymore. It's like poison. I just get sick. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I don't want that to happen. <laughs>
2: right. I. <laughs> I definitely, but I am, you know, definitely drinking less because a it doesn't go with antidepressants very well anyway, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> so I don't want to have to deal with that. And so my kind of my grounding techniques, I guess I would say for like dates and sex and stuff like that is, I I I, I check in a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I'm kind of oblivious just in general, like I'm kind of a scatterbrain anyway, and. I, I'm pretty good with cues as a comedian and I like to, you know, I feel like I can read into things pretty easily, but it boils down to communication with your, the person you're on a date with having sex with, but also yourself like checking in. It does this feel good. Mm-hmm. Is this, does this feel right? Is this what I want to do? Um,
0: what's the most simple way I can communicate that this is not what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of grounding exercises, uh, constantly john do you do those throughout the day Uh, um i've been trying to like be more mindful
1: Mm -hmm. um which has been okay getting off of a lot of the meds i was on has helped
0: a lot i've been having a lot less mood swings um you were prescribed a heavy cocktail though That's the difference between you and Chris. Yeah, he's been prescribed like so much shit. Oh, John's been like, my psychiatrist is kind of irresponsible with like.
1: Oh, my psychiatrist has been described by a pharmacist as a drug dealer. My God, (laughs) but he's at the best local hospital, and it's like. He's, like, reputable mm-hmm. and shit, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so
0: I don't want to say that, like, your diagnosis, Chris, and your prescription is not yeah. responsible. I'm saying that John's wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. he's, it's good that he's gotten away from a lot of his meds. So I asked yeah. my doctor, when mm-hmm. I went in,
2: they give you that test that's, like, what's your depression, whatever, and apparently 18 is very big on. On the scale. <laughs> on the scale.
0: What's it out of, like, 20? Out of 20. Oh, God. Oh, God. I, and, were you, uh, like, planning, like were you suicidal i was
2: not that was the one thing that was that's where i lost the points i definitely it was not wanting to die but i couldn't sleep i wasn't happy i was tired all the time i wasn't getting joy from things that i usually do you know the whole Mm -hmm. the whole Mm rigmaroo and so i because i found success when i was younger and got off myself so the last time i checked my antidepressants i was 18 years old and then i completely stopped cold turkey Mm -hmm. um i had bounced through i started with prozac hated it it maybe insane, like definitely was suicidal, then stream mood swings. And then I switched to Lexapro mm-hmm. and I loved it. Even keel, we we're good to go. And I, you know, I f- was starting to feel like my teenage self again when I went into the doctor just for like a checkup, a physical. And so he did that. And I told him what I had been on before, uh, 10 milligrams. And he was like, okay, well it's worked for you in the past. Let's not mess with that. Mm-hmm. Um, And then I recently bumped it up to 20. Mm -hmm. I figured with the seasons changing as well. Oh, wow. It was a smooth transition. So we doubled it, but slowly. And it still feels fantastic. Mm -hmm. We're still trucking along, having a good time. Good. And yeah.
0: Good. Okay. So medication has really worked for you. Mm -hmm. Um, I read quite often that the combination that works most effectively for most people is a combination of drugs and therapy. So a, a prescription that fits you and then therapy, if people can afford that too. Um, Absolutely. If you can't afford these things, then I actually used to give coaching on some of these mindfulness techniques. Awesome. Yeah, and a lot of it is, uh, well for me, a lot of self-touch even, just like rubbing the outsides of my arms. Mm -hmm. Um, A therapist taught me that if you can get, um, if you can engage both hemispheres of your body you can direct a lot of the fight or flight or freeze responses that you might be feeling. So this is why they say movement and activity is really good for people. But if you're not someone who has the strength to go walk the dog or go to an exercise class, Mm -hmm. even putting on some music that you like and rolling around on the floor can be really helpful. Honestly. Been there, done that. (laughs) Exactly. Really, right? Okay. Um, So I emote a lot. I'll cry when I feel I need to. Mm. Like I'll just... I'll be making toast, like thinking about an article I read, and I'll be crying. And B looks at me, and I'm like, "I'm fine." You see, and I
2: actually really like that too. When I find myself in like a dark space that I can't really pull myself out of, I will watch um, happy, sad things. Mm. Like I'll watch like um, you know, parent, grandparent, people learning that they're going to be grandparents, mm. or um, you know, excited.
0: Reconnected lost family members. Yeah, totally. Stuff like that. Rescues yeah, and, puppy rescues. Yeah.
2: yeah, puppy rescues. And then I'll just give myself a good cry. Mm-hmm. Uh, or I'll so. watch like a, a, a good movie that I know always makes me cry. Mm-hmm. And that just, it just relieves so much because mm-hmm. I'm not naturally a crier. Okay. I'm very, yeah. you know, I it boils down to when I was younger, crying didn't work. I had to figure things out for myself. So now I've learned the catharticness of crying and releasing that. It's mm-hmm.
1: so cathartic and it's been frustrating for me because recently I've noticed that when I do feel really sad or really exhausted by something, I, I can't cry anymore unless it's like devastating. Um, mm-hmm. And I used to cry a lot um, mm-hmm. and that was it was it was always helpful. I always felt better after I felt like I'd gone through some of it and it was kind of off my shoulders Mm -hmm. um what i do you guys were talking about like you know what do you you'll read an article or you'll watch a video or something i i submerge myself in really feel good happy no scary or sad moment tv shows um Mm -hmm. and i just watch those for like an hour or two and then i'm like i can surround myself with that mood Mm -hmm. um that's awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. Good. These are some useful tricks. Um, I have a friend, a tattoo artist who we're going to have on the show, and uh, she works a lot in consent aware tattooing practices. Um, But she taught me one. She said when she's feeling overwhelmed, she'll ask herself, who am I and what do I need?
2: That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Self self soothing, Mm -hmm. self talk, stuff like that.
0: Yeah. And you can go back to your like, you know, that inner child that some people can really reflect on, which is arguably what some people say depending on how you were raised but i feel sometimes going back to thinking of who i was as a kid Mm -hmm. it's like who was i when i had these interests before the world crushed many of them (laughs) Uh, that's i
2: mean also totally fair right i say i'm a nostalgia file a lot Mm. because i love to just watch old shows from when i was younger me and my best friend we love just like reminiscing and it always just you know brings me up Mm -hmm. no matter what Mm -hmm. and so i i can totally see that being successful.
0: Mm-hmm. And then also everybody, you probably need more vitamin D and then stop looking at your phone so much.
2: <laughs> also true.
0: <laughs> God, it's been so bad. Like I've used my phone for
1: on average seven hours a day. <gasps>
0: like,
1: every How are day your eyeballs? The oh, my- oh, they're fine. They've gotten used for to now. It yeah for now oh my god for i now.
2: think the max i've done is like four hours on my phone but with all of my jobs there's really no access for me to my phone right away too oh gosh yeah, yeah, yeah that's
0: right you work with your hands in other mm-hmm. ways okay um can we talk about you do hair yeah okay absolutely. yeah you do hair i'm like you work with your hands in yes other ways. <laughs> oh, i <laughs> yeah, do everything your with your these the <laughs> these hands can do all kinds of things um yeah john why are you on your phone so much for school now or what yeah um i think i've just been like
1: heavily distracting myself i've been feeling more down lately and i think that might be like just the long-term withdrawal from benzos Mm -hmm. but um yeah yeah. it's been
0: kind of maybe take a break from your phone
1: yeah i've i've started putting like screen limits on it so i can like you know manage that more easily but yeah, yeah. I, I have to like do something fun otherwise I go insane. Like to me there needs to be a work-play balance of like 50-50. Um there definitely that's hard needs to, to do when balance. you're doing a lot of school. <laughs>
0: yeah. So. Yeah. And also tr- pursuing pleasure in avoidance of discomfort all the time can lead to some really bad habits. That's how people create addictions. When you're avoiding totally, displeasure, yeah. yeah, you're addicted to the things things that take you out of that, make you feel good. Phone, drink, exercise shopping yeah
1: oh i've been leaning heavily on like shopping too yeah Uh,
2: I did buy way too much stuff before I got here.
1: Yeah.
0: Chris arrived with three bags <laughs> in their arms It was
2: Buffalo Exchange, which is a co signment Okay. But I might have spent $400.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is why we work so much. That's the problem is millennials that were bummed because the world is like full of pollution and we don't know if we should have kids. So we're like, well, I you guess know. I'll just work a lot and then spend that money. And I mean, that's what I out. do. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I have three jobs. i like the environment's. <laughs> yeah fucked but like at least i can be like a moderate shopaholic while i watch the world burn like I don't mm.
0: know. <laughs> at least yeah everything's polluted but let's make more fabric with fast no. fashion anyway no ah, um let's go to question three this one was sent to me by a lady who just started stripping and she prefaced it with l i know you said that you should probably not date or fuck people at work but hear me out <laughs> john can you read this one sure number three
1: I'm thinking of like all the times you've uh, you've told me stories about this Um, (laughs) I hooked up with my door guy at the club and I genuinely like him we've laid down our boundaries for work we've talked about it not working out we are aware of what we're doing I know you said that it's best to avoid this but have you had a similar situation happen work hookups and how did it go for you yeah Al have you ever hooked up with anyone at work (laughs) ever
0: um more of the dancers actually i'll have you know and we can be more mature about things than some of the staffer men so um (laughs) uh no i'm laughing yes so many of the dancers are queer and we just kind of start fucking each other at this point but that sounds great it sounds great um but uh i've seen it so many times i mean i've seen i i mean i married i married my my customer that's my um my kid's dad—he was my customer. That's not the same as working with someone, but yeah, you meet people in the work environment. You like them. Mm-hmm. Chris, have you had any work hookups?
2: So, I, I have not. Uh, I, I thank clapping. you, thank you. I, I, my philosophy is like, I don't shit where I eat, so I don't want to. But that—that's my coworkers. Have I hooked up with clients specifically in the salon? Why yes. <laughs> Why yes, I have. <laughs> Um,
0: and luckily that's not like an ethical issue for you no it's not that's i mean great. of course our
2: salon has a policy they're like don't do it but like what are you
1: gonna do <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i mean there's no real there's no real power dynamic there you know it's not like a therapist and a client or a doctor no and a yeah patient, like
2: i'm kind of going on dates with them all the time my my appointments run from 30 minutes to an hour and mm. And I get to spend that time with them and we're already really intimate. I know about their life. They know about my life. I'm touching them. So, you know, if there's that spark or that feeling, you know, the only thing that would stop me and it has is I don't want to lose that money. I mean, really?
0: Yeah, that's really funny you say that because I have specifically not tried to hook up with customers because I'm like, oh, they spend money.
2: It's true. It's really true. I've had, I had an experience once where I set up a client with one of my front desk girls and they went on a date or two and then they didn't talk like they didn't, it didn't work out. And so he never came back and I was like, well, there was
0: $60. Exactly. Oh God. Except that shit. Um, Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. So how did it go for you? It can go all ways. It can yeah. go all ways. It could be the absolute worst where you lose your job because of a breakup. Yeah. Um, It could be great. You could find one of the greatest, you know, friend, partner loves of your life or whatever. And, you know, uh, I think it's great that you've talked about it not working out because that's something the majority of people don't ever do. That's true. Yeah. Including myself. Like, how, how often have you had a conversation with someone where you've discussed the probability that at some point the relationship the way it is in its form when you begin will end Mm -hmm. nobody really ever does that no it's true
2: i that's a really unique perspective and really smart yeah
0: yeah so yeah so good for you uh so far good luck let us know how it turns out if you would like oh yes please yes please (laughs) uh let's take another break and then we'll talk about some more gay and comedy stuff (laughs) Ooh. <laughs> yes. Hey friends, are you sick of razor burn? Have your nethers cleaned up by the pros at Netherland's Wax in Vancouver, Washington, where experienced owner estheticians have performed literally thousands of Brazilian waxes. Netherland's Wax is gender neutral, sex positive, trans and queer welcoming, kink positive, and body positive. We are just over the 205 bridge in Vancouver, Washington. Worth the drive. Find us on Facebook, Yelp, or netherlandswax.com
1: welcome back to strange bedfellows your favorite politics sex and self-help podcast you can help us out on patreon.com strange bedfellows by donating a dollar and getting to see behind the scenes content and bonus episodes Mm hmm.
0: And selfies. I try to post the most scandalous shit I can on there without them getting mad at me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They got mad at me because B and I had sex and he ejaculated onto my buttocks area and I took a little snap of him wiping it. And I'm not huge on semen, but it just looked really pretty and artistic. There was no nudity; you could see the like my skin, but no like butt crack or anus or anything. Uh-huh. We got flagged for it because no bodily fluids.
2: Oh, oh. I'm
0: like, mm, whatever. But well, yeah, I'm like, what if it was snot? Ew. You know, like <laughs> you don't know, definitely less sexy, but <laughs> yeah. Anyway, unless um, you're into that so yeah check us out online wherever you can we're here with chris ettrick you can find them on all over the social media at chris ettrick um john this this article i thought was interesting can i ask is this awkward can i ask you two about your penises yeah go for it um john you're circumcised chris are you circumcised i am you are you're both circumcised no i'm not circumcised. you're not circumcised
1: why did i think you were circumcised i don't know i was born in france (laughs) so <laughs> oh yeah touche
0: touche wee oui, wee oui. okay so <laughs> exactly uh, <oui>. <laughs> <laughs> pun intended um so there's this article here this comedian tom rosenthal i've never heard of him but i don't really follow comedy very much mm-hmm. um whenever you have sex it's on your mind tom rosenthal on turning circumcision into comedy so this is a 31 year old So, he's talking about his own circumcision in his comedy and how he's developed feelings about it. He says, Ever since I became aware of what happened to me, I've never felt so sure that something is wrong. I just don't think it's very funny. Um, So, he says, Comparing his penis to other kids. Um, Then came the terrifying circumcision video shown at his school when he was 12, which led to a confrontation at home. I had a shouting match with my mother. She took me to a doctor who basically invalidated all my feelings. The truth is that my parents were put in charge of my welfare and they did something to me that can never be remedied. Um. So his set is described as candid, angry, and often hilarious. Uh, uh, speaks to the justifications for circumcision. I just thought that was really interesting. He hmm. admits that he says he's a child of privilege and maybe this is just something he gets to complain about. <laughs> um. He says, doesn't sex feel good? My penis is fine, my dad will say. He cares about the fact that I care, but he doesn't care for the reasons that I care about it. He thought that my show was a revenge show and it wasn't that at all. Um, I just thought this was an interesting reaction from someone who had a circumcision and wasn't thrilled about it. Mm-hmm.
2: I, yeah. You
0: know, it's interesting.
2: I've, in my life now, I've encountered quite a few little schlongs schlongs, <laughs> <And, laughs> yeah. And little I, you know, <laughs> I have well, also little ones, big schlongy boys. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, I started to realize that it is act for me and that maybe the people, I don't know. i attracted to them. Uh, I, since I am circumcised, it is really interesting to see the amount of uncircumcised, you know, penises flying at me constantly and flying at you constantly. all the time. I just have to I have a very specific <laughs> umbrella. Um, and, I have, I have no feelings one way or the other. Mm -hmm. If I ended up having a child, which I'm not, but if I did, I wouldn't circumcise them. Cause I also, I feel like it's like a waste of time and probably money as well. Why I was and my parents' decision to do it. I have no idea. We're not particularly religious.
0: Um, you have sinks and bathtubs. Yeah. Like a cleanliness issue. Yeah. Maybe. Um, There, So because with a foreskin, when you have a foreskin and there's a sexual assault, like a penis and vagina, a penis and anus rape or even anything. But um, it's been argued that it's better to have circumcisions because there's less likely to be that tearing of the foreskin skin and the potential transmission. Oh, So that's the only pro I've ever heard for circumcisions. To which I say, if parents were teaching their kids to not be rapists and to be consent aware, it wouldn't be. Mm hmm. Like a point worth arguing, um, I mean, rape. I is mean, always I think it's solves a lot of things. Yeah, I think it's a lot of things. Rape's always going to exist, but also, if we had like access to sexual health, a lot of these problems wouldn't exist in the first place. Fair. So, um, but that was an interesting one I wanted to bring up, where I'm like, well, okay, if if like in places where transmission and rape is running rampant, you still aren't going to go around like circumcising all the babies as a way to fix that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um,
2: I mean, I, I think I like uncircumcised penises like physically for myself, like having sex with and like putting in my mouth. And really? Okay. Yeah. I, I I like it better for some reason. Um, It's just like the action seems to be smoother. Ooh. Right? I don't know if you guys ever, if I, you remember I, these things, but I, those little yeah. like gel tubular things. Yeah. Yes! Like when you're a kid, yes! it kind of reminds me of that. And I'm like... This is like, I really like this motion and this feeling. It's like, it's smooth. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. Well, it's like easier to masturbate when you have a foreskin. Totally. Yeah, and just a little bit of lubrication. Yeah, yeah John, you know this way more. Yeah. You, This is your life. Wish I didn't. <laughs> I didn't even think about your penis in that way, or I had a lapse in thinking about your penis in that way. Um, so, more, more penis gay stuff. I'm looking at a picture of Elton John. <laughs> okay. Singing, He's singing. He's always singing. It says, this is a little pivot from the topic, how queer communities are creating sober spaces for recovering alcoholics. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was on lgbtqnation.com, written by Daniel Villarreal. Uh, Today, Elton John celebrated 29 years of sobriety, but could our community do more to help recovering alcoholics? This article says, numerous studies have shown that the LGBTQ community is disproportionately affected by alcoholism. One study by the Center for American Progress found that 25% of gay and trans people abuse alcohol compared to 5 to 10% of the general population. I actually think those numbers are higher. I
2: would agree, okay. actually.
0: Yeah, I think people lie when they self-report. I don't know how they did this study. There's a link to it, but I didn't read it, and I don't have time to now. Mm-hmm. So if they're going <laughs> off of self-report, which a lot of studies are, um, people lie. Yep. Um, I feel like many, many more of my friends have, I would say at this point, because of heavy chronic use because of in the workplace, like working in bars, like a lot of us have chemical, like some kind of physical dependence issue. For sure. Yeah. And that's really unfortunate. And I know, you know, I even know like when I quit drinking alcohol and I just smoke a shitload of weed in like a really concentrated oil and then the next morning wake up with the shakes and kind of feeling nauseated, Mm. you know? That's not my baseline. So that's when I was like, oh boy, I have to reel it back. Um, (laughs) So this article basically was saying that as more gay bars close um, and venues change for different reasons, um, queer coffee bars and sober meetups have begun popping up in US cities. Out and Sober is a group That's an AA style support group for queer people across the nation. AA's um, mission statement um, is for men and women. So they use like gendered language because it's old Mm -hmm. and that doesn't align with a lot of people's comfort. So that's cool. They have that.
1: Yeah. And they're also super religious, like not just AA, but like also NA. So like. Um, oh na it's like na- narcotics yeah anonymous. so i've attended a narcotics anonymous meeting not because i was asked to be there but because my friend had it court ordered and i wanted to go with her um oh my
0: god same for me that's so funny <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> go on yeah and
1: um and i wanted to support her so i went and it was i shit you not like 98 percent Old white guys who yeah. were just like talking about Christianity and the Bible and all this shit, and I'm just like, oof, oof. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm sorry, friend, but uh, I don't want to mm-hmm.
0: come back. <laughs> yeah, understandably. Um, so I guess if you have any more resources that you'd like to send us, let us know because there's a great need for mm-hmm. sobriety support.
2: I I absolutely agree. Personally, um, I don't find myself. At queer spaces as often anymore, because they're like I know my drinking issues. Like I'm very self aware, uh, and I don't trust. And this sounds really shady, but I don't trust um, other queer people to necessarily respect my my choices and what I want. I'm I'm guilty of it too, pushing drinks on people. Yes, me too. Yeah,
0: come on, let's do shots. Yeah, totally. Are you sure?
2: And I have this big hang up with like cocaine. I ev- everyone I know does it like everybody. Mm. it's so rampant and it's not like an issue like you know do it if you want to, but it's I've paid a lot for this nose <laughs> and so I try to avoid <laughs> being in those situations too. but there is like a slight um, you know animosity towards the idea where I'm like, no
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> no thanks. Mm-hmm. I, too, get really frustrated. Um, it's hard to date, especially for mm-hmm. people in these scenes when you're an entertainer and you're a gay or queer entertainer yeah. who is sober. Um, yeah, that really confuses people. And and I also, like, I know how annoying I can be when I'm just running my mouth, but, man, <laughs> being cornered by someone who's on cocaine Oh God, yeah. when you're not is so unpleasant. So I just, it it's not my favorite either. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: not to say I haven't done it. I have,
0: but... But not too often.
2: Now I'm getting up there and I'm like, okay, the Botox is expensive. (laughs) The rest of my face is very expensive. I need to like, we need to, you know, cut some things out, you Mm know?
0: Um, (laughs) I'm not trying to also discourage any of my friends from getting healthier, but a lot of my stripper friends I'll notice do like intense cleanses or like juicing and smoothies and like greens and stuff but they'll also drink like six drinks a night and i'm like you know you wouldn't need one if you quit doing the other so we're we're just like cut in half cut in half but it's hard it's so hard to you know to be funny and and on Mm -hmm. when you don't have that is very true the chemicals for it um apparently american so stand-up is an american form of comedy there's an article who invented stand-up the origins of a peculiar peculiarly American form of comedy. I don't think I said that right, but anyway, it's on slate.com <laughs> by Peter McGraw and Joel Warner. Um, did you know that stand-up comedy has its origins in burlesque shows, burlesque is linked to stripping. Mm-hmm. So live entertaining, like I think these circles we tend to travel together. Definitely. Yeah, and it's not just here. And it's not just in the last twenty years. Um, there's, yeah, I never I thought about that. That's interesting. Isn't that cool?
2: I think uh, it's it's completely relatable. Like vaudeville back in the day, that was it was the form of entertainment, mm-hmm. and um, it was so risque at the time. Comedy, the comedy involved in burlesque and the latter are are so so married to each other Mm -hmm. because if you could make, you could make someone laugh while you're defying the times, it just brings so it, it it normalizes it more Mm -hmm. so that you could call it like a show like, Oh, you know, in the 1940s you're going to it because it's humorous, not because you're actually attracted to uh, black women taking their clothes off. Right. You know,
0: Exactly. Uh, To keep their routines quick, lively, and appealing to a raucous audience, vaudeville performers, there you go. Yeah, there she is. Find their material using basic setups and punchlines. There were quick hit laugh generators that could be linked together to keep the crowd cackling. Jokes, in other words, were becoming what we now know as jokes. Take a classic one-liner from Groucho Marx, who got his start in vaudeville. Behind every successful man is a woman behind her is his wife <laughs> I love that you said married to each other because there's a marriage joke I love it it's perfect all tied in Hmm. Um, I think a lot of the reasons that entertainers date enter- other entertainers is because our, our um, habits are similar you know mm-hmm. like weird hours yep and trauma and making fun of ourselves and-
2: <laughs> it's true <laughs> I, for me, I'm really into it for someone who makes me laugh. I, I really, I love laughing. I, I hate just kind of like being lost in my own little dark little world and to, to be with someone or share that time with someone is really important to me. I've actually never dated a comedian before though. Really? Yeah. That's
0: right. Cause you said you don't shit where you eat. Exactly. You don't date where you eat either. I
2: did it one time and I hope to God that he does not hear this podcast and we, we hooked up. And his penis was too small. For your and, comfort. Well, for my, for me, yeah, I was too small. And um, I, now when we are in the same circles, it's slightly uncomfortable. And I go into my defense mechanism, which is to continue to flirt with him. Oh my God. Even though I have honestly no intention of doing anything.
0: Oh my God. So you didn't know how to handle their genitals and now you feel guilty.
2: I did. It's true. I'm just like, I don't know how to be like,
1: <laughs> I can't. Do this.
0: Oh my gosh! So, uh,
1: so Chris, who are some of your favorite uh, lesser-known comics or comedians? Like someone in the area, or or someone who's not a not a household name yet.
2: Ooh, that's a really good question because there's there's so many good ones, and I'm not gonna lie to you, I am a huge proponent for female comedians. Like I, there was one male comedian, he was pretty popular that I loved, Ralphie May, uh, mm. R.I.P. He died. Yeah, he died uh, last the, year. I uh, think it might have been two years ago, in okay. like December. Okay. Uh, I thought he was hilarious, um, but now my my roster of comedians I enjoy are all female. There is a, a old local comedian. Uh, she's in L.A. now, who's doing really great things. Her name is Amy Miller.
0: Mm, Amy Miller mm -hmm. I've seen her perform
2: yeah she's super hilarious Mm -hmm. she's uh, one of my she was one of my big inspirations when I first started doing stand-up comedy in Portland Mm. Uh, her and Brie Pruitt both fantastic ladies who are doing a lot of good stuff for body positivity female comedy and like not putting up with you know the basic white man comedian bullshit which Mm -hmm. I love Um, another local comedian would be Jenna Vesper who you've had on the show yeah she is she's such a light and she's doing a lot of good stuff. Um, she does a lot of fundraisers. a Tons of fundraisers. Yeah. And she produces a ton of shows, some of the best shows uh, in town. But I've m- more known, but not super well known. Kathleen Madigan is mm-hmm. one of my favorite comedians. Um, and so is Deborah DiGiovanni.
0: How do you spell that?
2: Oh, God. Okay. DiGiovanni. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Got it. Someone yep. Someone start typing that and it'll pop up. Hopefully.
2: It should. It should. She has a, they both have specials on Netflix um, that are totally worth seeing. And they're just so funny. They, they do. They're too completely different. They're completely different. Deborah DiGiovanni is a, is a large woman who talks about how funny and beautiful and great she is. And you know what it's like traversing. As a larger woman and dating and living by herself and experiences that she has. Gosh, that stand up special is so funny. I'm just smiling, thinking about it. <coughs> and then uh, Kathleen Madigan, she's like, how she does stand up comedy is she talks about her family a lot. She has two older parents who are retired. She herself is in her 50s. Um, but she talks to you like that lady at the bar who's had like a couple of beers and she's just like, oh, I'm fun and crazy. And it's just, it's just means so much to me. She, she, I want her to be my friend, you know?
0: (laughs) I appreciate that. That's adorable. Um, What is the name of the comedian? Their show on Netflix was called Nanette.
2: Uh, That's Hannah Gadsby.
0: Right. They're they're good. I cried when I watched that. And then I watched it again and I cried
1: some more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was a good,
2: that was a good set. She got a lot of flack. Why? um, Because a lot of comedians considered that storytelling. Pfft, yeah ex- that's the whole point and i feel the exact but same she way made like us
1: laugh a lot during it she just had maybe more narrative moments than there were comedy moments but there were still a lot of comedy moments i think
2: it's you know that's a it's such a super super subjective art form you are standing on a yeah. stage telling your story whether you're making people laugh whether you're making people cry it's yeah. it's all a comedic performance you know and it's yeah. smallest she itty-bitty. drew a
1: lot of comedy out of tragedy and I think that, True. that was that was one of her strengths um, but I, she also talked about the fact that she didn't want to you know like diminish her own story and that's why she was mm-hmm. quitting comedy and
2: I think that's why people were confused, our comedians, because it was almost too cohesive. Mm. It made too much sense. It had a bell curve. It mm-hmm. wasn't punch after punch after punch after punch, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, does not take away from the fact that it could It was a stand-up special. Mm-hmm. It was billed as such. She was a comedian. Mm-hmm. She just... It, she just made it the, so smooth.
0: I feel like because she did it better, people were critical.
2: I can see that. Absolutely. I see
0: that. Yeah. I think that she wove something more seamlessly than many other people have. And especially um, like that article earlier about the history of stand up is that that was part of its origin is just some fucker up on the stage with a microphone. Yeah. Trying to Figure out how to amuse people. So the format changes anyway because you're not just yeah. telling one liner my wife jokes <laughs> right yeah I,
1: right. I think people who are critical about the style rather than the content um are really have nothing to say um, yeah like if if they're gonna be like negative about it like i think if someone's you know going like oh this wasn't real comedy i'd, I'd like to see what they bring to the table that they consider real comedy Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. and there's a lot of storytelling in a lot of other comedy Absolutely, yeah. it just doesn't all connect yeah. and,
1: and it was to be fair a little bit of a mind fuck right like she tells you <laughs> part of a story she makes you laugh at that story and then she reveals the truth about that story and mm-hmm. she reveals like the, the entirety of what really happened and then you feel pretty pretty shitty but you also feel informed um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, it's a lot more complete of a picture and it might mm-hmm. be more narrative. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm.
0: it was really mm-hmm. interesting. It was a play mm-hmm. on comedy. Twas. Uh, so we're going to talk about Chris's experience filming a amateur porn. <laughs> it was It was like a non-sexual porn. It was a comedy porn.
2: I mean, there was definitely penetration. <laughs> oh, was there? Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, I just remember Jenna said that Everyone was going to squirt her with a bunch of fake jizz. I mean, we
2: also did that. Okay. But, <laughs> I mean, we weren't—we didn't half-ass this. Oh,
0: my gosh. All right. Well, okay. Let's talk about it in the after show. Everybody else, um, please rate and review us on your listening app. Share us because we'd love 100,000 subscribers by the new year. Uh, follow Chris Ettrick all over the place on social media. That's E-T-T-R-I-C-K on the last name. John, we can find you where? metric.cafe on instagram
1: mm-hmm.
0: i'm stripperwriter.com please stop calling me a blogger i'm not a blogger <laughs> I'm A published writer damn it i had to research this shit and pay taxes <laughs> people like come up to me in the club they're like i love your blog and i'm like ah what blog is that
2: <laughs> <laughs> i haven't blogged since i was in high school i haven't
0: blogged since tumblr uh, uh really so it R- hasn't R- been that long ago but um <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you so much until next right. time thank you for listening to strange bedfellows podcast to find behind the scenes photos bonus clips and journals from your guests and hosts type www.patreon that's forward slash strange bedfellows and join for only one dollar find us online at strangebedfellowspdx.com and instagram at strangebedfellowspdx you can find me, L. Stanger, on stripperwriter.com and Instagram as L. Stanger.
1: Write your hate mail or sex and relationship questions to Pillow Talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com and find me, John, on Instagram at metric.cafe. Please rate and review our show on your favorite listening app. Thanks for supporting sex education and freedom of expression.